am uh, Pastor Jay. I have the privilege of serving as a pastor at Scarlet City Church. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I apologize that the live stream is not up and running. Uh, we put a lot of work into it this past week, and especially Danny Jackson was at the building yesterday for hours. And after troubleshooting and watching videos, trying to figure out what was wrong, he realized we had the wrong part. There was a hardware piece, and I was the one entrusted with purchasing this piece, and I bought the wrong one. Uh, apparently, you know, my expertise or lack of expertise in digital streaming didn't come through. And maybe you can relate. I think in this season, the past week or two, we've all been troubleshooting. We've all been seeking answers to questions that just a few days ago, a few weeks ago, we weren't even asking. Maybe you have school-age children and you're trying to figure out how to log them on so they can engage in their class online, simultaneously trying to work and figure out how to balance being in a conference call when your little one shows up asking for Cheetos. Maybe for you, you um, find yourself watching news conferences of the governor or president. You had never tuned in to a news conference before, but now you watch it on the edge of your seat, wondering if there's what the latest updates are, the latest restrictions, seeking answers to questions you weren't even asking just a few weeks ago. Maybe for you, you're, you're trying to gauge the symptoms that you have. Maybe you have a cough or maybe a temperature, and you're wondering, is this something you should call your physician about? Wondering if you've come down with COVID-19. Or maybe you're, you find yourself now recently unemployed. And you're wondering what are the steps to seek unemployment benefits. Again, answers to questions you weren't asking just days and weeks ago. All of us are troubleshooting. All of us are seeking answers to questions we really weren't asking. And some of the questions that we're asking lead us to deeper questions. The questions that we're seeking around understanding medicine and symptoms may speak to deeper symptomatic struggles that we have. Questions around meaning. Questions around security. You may find yourself, in fact, in crisis situations, they often surface these deep inner heart-soul questions. Maybe questions about, is there more to life than simply waking up, working hard, enjoying your coffee or latte, uh, going to uh, your local brewery to enjoy a nice drink with friends, going to bed, waking up the next day, and doing it all over again. Is there more to life? Maybe you're asking, is there true security? You've, uh, you're wrestling with how to avoid catching this coronavirus or what to do in light of the stock market and economic crash. Wondering if there's true security that will last when your health and financial statement fails. These crises and the pains of life surface these inner questions. And, and if you're wrestling with those questions, I, I have good news for you. First of all, you're not alone. People all over the world and throughout generations have been wrestling with those same 
questions. These circumstances and pains of life may look different in different places and different times, but the core longings and questions about meaning and security have been fundamental to the human existence for thousands of years. And if you're afraid of asking those questions because there's a part of you that's concerned about what you might find, I have good, need, good news as well. When we think of what it means to know and walk with Jesus, we see that Jesus of Nazareth, this man who lived 2,000 years ago, speaks to and addresses the fundamental questions of what it means to be human and what it means to flourish for the long term. And over the next several weeks, I want to take, we want to take just some time to look specifically at that question. I want to encourage you, if you're someone who finds yourself asking those deeper questions, to consider exploring ways that Christians in different places, in different cultures, in different times, have looked to Jesus as the answer to the core questions behind human longings. From this Sunday leading up to Easter, we're going to look at Luke chapter 4, the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. In this Gospel, it's an account written by someone who was close to the situation of Jesus. And he's writing about the believability of Jesus, what he did and what it means. And in Luke chapter 4, we find Jesus just before his public ministry begins, and he's in a wilderness. And he faces an incredibly difficult situation. Having fasted for 40 days and nights, he's confronted by Satan himself. And in this, the author positions this as a test for Jesus. Not a test of whether he passes or fails, but a test to reveal the true nature of who he is and what he offers. This morning and in the coming weeks, I want to invite you to consider who Jesus is and what it means, the hope it can bring in the pains and trials of life. And this morning we begin by seeing that Jesus is wise. When we think of why trust Jesus in the pains of life, one of the reasons we can trust him is because he is wise. He's, he's not a fool. One of my favorite definitions of wisdom is that wisdom is the art of living well. I love that. The art of living well. Because living well is rarely about engineering. It's more art than engineering. Sure, people like to boil it down to a few points. Uh, five steps to become rich. Three ways to be the perfect parent. How to be successful. We want to boil life down to a formula. But it rarely works that way. Living well is more art than engineering. And it's that way because you know, if, if you have more than one child, you know that every person's different. And one way of disciplining or correcting or encouraging one of your kids may not work with the other. We're all different. And the circumstances of our lives are different. And even though there are some good and helpful principles, living well requires wisdom, which understands how to apply the principles of life in the particular circumstances and situations that we find ourselves in. Jesus does this amazingly well. And we see it in Luke chapter 4, in this situation where he's in the wilderness and he's confronted with Satan himself. And I want to show this morning three 
ways Jesus expresses wisdom in this passage and how it can bring comfort and direction for us today. How Jesus is wise. The first thing we see is that Jesus is wise because he's willing to follow. He's willing to be led. In our passage, in verse 1, it says that Jesus is full of the Spirit. And then it goes on to say that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus is led. Now, anytime you're a passenger riding with someone who's driving, you want that person to be someone who's willing to be led. You want that person to hear and listen to directions. If you want to get to the destination and you're not depending on them just figuring it out along the way, you want someone who's willing to hear directions. And so this is true just pragmatically in life, but, but what we see in Jesus is it's not just that he's willing to be led, but that he's willing to be led even when the facts and truth are not things he would necessarily want. In our passage, we see this temptation that Satan presents to Jesus. And essentially, you could boil it down. Uh, Satan offers three temptations. And what Satan is wanting is he's presenting a way of Jesus to be king without the cross. He's presenting a way for Jesus to be ruler without experiencing pain. And Jesus rejects this. And we see it later, right before the cross, Jesus is praying to God and he says, God, let this cup pass from me. Let the cup of judgment that I will experience on the cross be taken away. And then Jesus closes it by saying, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is willing to be led even when the facts and truth of where he's being taken are not what he'd want to hear. Now, when we think of wisdom and discerning who to trust, you know, one of the things that I think is a good way to view it is trust people who are willing to face the facts even when they aren't what they want to hear. Whether it's discerning whether to trust a particular journalist or a politician or your boss in the workplace, people who, when they hear the truth and facts, they're willing to go with it, even when it's not personally beneficial in the moment. Jesus models wisdom and courage to face the facts, to live in reality, and to be led even when it takes him to a place that he doesn't want to go. Now, personally, I find this also incredibly comforting when it comes to my relationship with God. You know, I've come to, in light of reading scripture, which we'll talk about in a moment, and looking at my life personally, and looking at the story of followers of Jesus from generations, I've come to the conviction that God is more gracious, more loving, and more accepting than I am. And there's often situations in life that I don't understand. And I try to... And I pray, and I, and I want understanding, and I want to know why, but in my limited perspective, I, can't, I cannot fully grasp the magnitude of each situation and where it will lead. And in those places, I wrestle with God 
But I also come to the comfort of knowing that he has more perspective, more grace, more love and acceptance than I ever could. And I can rest and trust him because of that truth and that fact. After all, he is a God who sends his son, Jesus. And Jesus is God who is willing to experience hardship, willing to drink the cup so that we could have the cup of resurrection and life. Jesus is wise. He's able to be led and willing to be led even when it leads to pain. And also we see that Jesus is led by God's truth. The second point of Jesus' wisdom is that Jesus discerns the true purpose of God's word. Jesus submits to the teachings of the Bible. And you might be thinking, wait, I, I thought we're talking about reasons we should trust Jesus. We've all heard teachings of Scripture that seem to reinforce ways we wouldn't want to live. We're familiar with pastors who quoted the Bible to reinforce slavery in America. We've seen Scripture be used by churches as an excuse to not report abuse. We've seen preachers encouraging people to give money to them personally, quoting specific passages claiming that God will heal them if they give their money to that particular preacher. Right here in our passage, we see Satan himself quoting scripture. In verse 5, we see the devil took Jesus to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. And then Satan quotes Psalm 91, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Satan is tempting Jesus to, to, by quoting the Bible. And Jesus doesn't say, wait a second. If, if Satan is in the Bible group, then I'm out. No. Satan, or Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus quotes scripture in con confrontation to Satan. Jesus says, it is that man shall not live by bread and bread alone. Jesus confronts Satan's misuse of Scripture by quoting Scripture himself. And Jesus isn't the only one. We see Martin Luther King Jr. do this. Dr. King, when he's confronting a racist South who's using the Bible to reinforce bigoted and racist, racist ideologies, he doesn't say, if, if these preachers here are quoting the Bible, then I'm out. No. He quotes Scripture says, but let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a mighty stream. That's Amos 5. Both Jesus and Dr. King confront misuses of the Bible by getting to the core of what the Bible is really about. You see, Jesus understands that the Bible is the greatest foundation for justice. The Bible is the greatest message for equality and meaning, and joy, and flourishing. The Bible doesn't compromise our pursuit of justice. It actually is the greatest foundation 
on which we can live and pursue a life of justice. Jesus is wise. He grounds his ethics and morality in a word that's bigger than himself. Jesus discerns the proper use of Scripture. But then also, and lastly, Jesus applies Scripture. Jesus finds his satisfaction, his ultimate satisfaction, in God's truth. Here's the question that is put before us when we find ourselves in painful circumstances. Are we going to let our painful present reality shape our view of ourselves and God and meaning? Or are we going to allow God and who we are in him to shape our present circumstances? Satan confronts Jesus again and he says, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus responds, he answers him in verse 4, he says, It is written, again quoting scripture, Man does not live by bread alone. When life is painful, it's tempting to look at everything else through the lens of that present pain. When we are exhausted, we can feel like all we need in life is sleep. When we lack money, we can feel like all we need is a paycheck and more financial resources. When we are hungry, we're tempted to think all we need is food. There's constant scarcity in life. And we can have that shape how we view everything else through the lens of our needs and wanting more. One author Lynn Twist put it this way in her book, Soul of Money. Maybe you can relate to this. She says, For me and for many of us, our first waking thought of the day is, I didn't get enough sleep. The next one is, I don't have enough time. Whether true or not, that though of not enough, that thought of not enough occurs to us automatically before we even think to question or examine it. We spend most of the hours and days of our lives hearing explaining, complaining, or worrying about what we don't have enough of. Before we even sit up in the bed, before our feet touch the ground, we're already inadequate, already behind, already losing, already lacking something. And by the time we go to bed at night, our minds are racing with a litany of what we didn't get or didn't get done that day. We go to sleep burdened by, the, by those thoughts and wake up to the reverie of lack. This internal condition of scarcity is the mindset of scarcity that lives at the very heart of our jealousies, our greed, our prejudices, and our arguments with life. Living as if we're never enough, can never have enough. We're plagued by this scarcity mindset. And we look to Jesus in this passage, he's in the wilderness and he's famished. He's hungry. And when confronted with the temptation to turn stone into bread, he says, man does not live by bread alone. And I can't help but think he wasn't just saying that to Satan. He was saying that to himself. In the midst of temptation, in the midst of pain and hunger, in scarcity, we're reminded that we're more 
than our present pain and circumstances. We're more than people longing for rest, longing for food, longing for people in relationships, longing for physical healing, that each of those physical realities teach us of an underlying desire, a spiritual longing for rest, a spiritual hunger, a spiritual longing for acceptance and ultimate healing. This is what Jesus brings. When Jesus becomes the center of our life and story, now there is a truth that we can bring to our painful circumstances. Because Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. He's not talking about a nap. He's talking about rest from the burden of proving yourself to everyone else. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the great physician I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the one who can bring the true satisfaction that our soul ultimately longs for. Are we allowing the circumstances of scarcity and need to define us? Or are we allowing the abundance of God's love, God's grace, and God's future secured in Christ to be what ultimately shapes us. As we troubleshoot our present circumstances, as we seek answers to questions we weren't asking a few weeks ago, let it stir in us a genuine desire for the questions we ultimately need answered and that Jesus is the answer to. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being a God who doesn't refrain from the pains of the world, but enters in. May we be honest. May we be wise. May we discern your word and allow this pain and community to point us to its true purpose. And may we find our ultimate satisfaction in your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.